Hey, welcome to another episode of The Blind Entrepreneur. I'm with Ofo Izugu. He's 23 years old. He's the co-founder of Landlord.com. Landlord.com is a web app that makes quality living the standard for all by enabling renters to find their next home and to review their landlord and housing complexes. Ofo, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Couldn't be better. So we have a, a list of questions here that we're just going to rattle them off. The first one's always the easiest one. Tell <laughs> us about yourself. Who are you and what is your story? Awesome. Well, um, my name is Ofo Izugu, as mentioned. Um, who am I? I? I think I'm a hard worker. Uh, I'm a person who, who values you know, human interaction, human engagement, um, and just the experiences of life. Uh, and the second part of the question was, you know, you said, who am I? And then and my story? Yeah. Um, so my story is, you know, I, my story always started with my parents' story a bit. Um, my dad was born in Nigeria. Um, we grew up during the Biafran War, the Civil War there and um, you know my mother was born in Barbados and then moved to Brooklyn New York when she was 11 years old in a single single mother household um, so a lot of my passion and drive just comes from you know how how crazy their stories were in terms of how they even got to this point of where they are um, and that's you know where I, I kind of I guess that comes out, out of myself and out of my siblings as well um, but me personally I grew up uh, right outside of Baltimore uh, in Ellicott City Maryland for the most part and um, went to Temple University uh, for my undergrad, where I studied entrepreneurship and management and information systems, um, and and was always involved in leadership programs. Played a lot of sports growing up. Um, always, you know, admired the captain role. It just it just really um, something that really spoke to me. And I love the idea of people working together for a, to achieve a common goal. Um, so upon graduating Temple University, um, jumped full fledged into my startup, which is Who's Your Landlord, and we've been growing ever since. Mm. So Who's Your Landlord? Um... You know, you seem like a very personable person. You obviously stated that you're a people person. And now you're jumping into a technology business where you're kind of doing service behind a computer and not actually talking to them face to face. Um, where did that, where does uh, Who's Your Landlord fit into into your passion? How does yeah, well, it fit into your passion? Right, well, that's the funny thing. Is it actually is, is right along with my passion because through the service of Who's Your Landlord, you know, you said it yourself, we're making quality living the standard for all. So we're directly addressing a core need for society. Uh, but then the second part of it is we, we're just as much behind the screen as we are, you know, out in, in the community. In order to have anything that's community driven, like we're not just listings. So we don't just take from a, you know, internet listing server and kind of just push out stuff to different people. Um, in order for us to have any relevance, we have to be in the community. Um, so that's why, you know, even me, I split my time be between Philadelphia and New York because, you know, m most of our user base is Philadelphia based still because we launched there. And so it's so important to be in the community, to speak up on um, issues with housing, to speak up on ways you can help people, um, and then to also produce content around that space as well. Um, so, for example, we had over 45,000 blog reads just helping people out and figuring out what to do in X, Y, Z situation when it came to rentals. So, um, you know, we are out there and I think that's that's the one component I think that we have that special about our business is that, you know, we're able to be out in the community, we're able to have events and be able to connect one on one with our uh, users. So you said you had 45,000 people view your blog. Right. One right, particular right. blog or just your blog in general? Our, our blogs in general. So we, nice. we um, post out a lot to, uh, through our Tumblr account um, as well as our direct site. And then we also make a lot of video content. Um, for example, right now we have a take ownership series going. Where it's funny because you know we're highlighting entrepreneurs that are doing cool things. You might think, how is that related to housing? But you know the whole spin and angle we took with it was, you know, how can you know having a great and solid background or a great and solid home front 
help out when it comes to being able to be proactive in society and make good things happen. So um, we just we find creative ways to, to kind of get the word about what we're doing um, through other people's stories. And that's why I think partnerships are so huge for us. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about some of the struggles that you had um, in the very early beginning of, uh, of, of Who's Your Landlord? Yeah, I mean, you, you, I don't think you ever stop having struggles as an entrepreneur, but <laughs> definitely. But kind of going back, um, struggles we've had. You know, I I think when we first launched, you know, you you had this mentality that you're gonna launch and it's only gonna keep going up, right? It, things are gonna get better and better, get stronger and stronger. But that that initial night you launch, you're like it's amazing, you have all these users, and then like the next two weeks it's like pfft, it's just flat lines, and so you have to come up with a way to to encourage people to come back to the platform, to, to use it, to t tell their friends, to share it. Um, and that was, I think, one of the first learning, like, uh, touch points or points we had, you know, where we had to figure out, okay, how do we sustain this? How do we get to more in front of more users? How do we get a normal, you know, user to come back to our platform beyond just initially looking for housing? Um, so it's that, that constant figuring out of product market fit. Is that constant retooling and iterating to get to the point where, a customer or a user of your platform feels engaged with it and is getting complete value from it um, and comes back because of that. That was probably the first challenge. Um, and then, you know, following that was just making sure that our team was working effectively and efficiently and balancing a bunch of college student schedules. Because at the time, we were all in school, um, everyone that worked on the team. Um, but to this day, we still have the same core, core individuals that started it and uh, been super helpful ever since. How, what can you contribute uh, attribute to your success in in having the same core group of people and not having to uh, any of them leave? I think it's caring about them as people first. You know, I, you know, honestly, you know, I was like I said when I was in school, I was a very uh, very drawn to leadership positions, very drawn to organizations. Um, so by my senior year, I was a vice president of the student body, and I actually met a couple of our, our team members through through that uh, position. Um, so I was able to to really connect with some of the most you know. Uh, some of the most successful people in that college space at a young age. And um, what you realize is those are the same people that five, six years from now are going to be making $100,000, $200,000 a year to be, to be bringing that same um, mentality, that same uh, core abilities into the work environment. So the key was to find them early and work with them in the beginning when we're all broke and we can all relate off of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think just understanding where they were as people, connecting with them as individuals, um, even though they're everyone on the team is constantly getting, you know, um, invites for new jobs or being reached out to or recruited, we, we stay together because we understand what we have here, the value of it, and the fact that um, as a, a group of now friends, um, we can make something really powerful happen. Mm. So I'm still not hearing where um, this leadership stems from. Where, <laughs> where, did, where did that begin? Was it something internal? You, you said you mentioned you're a family person. Did it come from you know your family? Was it was it a, the fact that you may have had to put a more of a, an adult role within your your family at an early age? Or definitely, I mean, I, I think you know I, we had high expectations in our family, um, mm -hmm. in the sense that you know a, a lot was expected from us uh, as as siblings, as as kids, um, in the sense that we we were always taught to lead by example. Um, and, and so whether it was, you know, us having the Thanksgiving dinners at our house or having the annual July 4th cookout and everybody would kind of come down to our, our place in Maryland and, and having that role of, you know, cleaning up, setting up, breaking down, you know, entertaining everyone. Like you constantly were in this space where um, you were bringing people together. And I think that, that that concept and mentality has always stuck with me. And I've always loved that feeling, um, although it takes a lot of work to do it, because usually when you think about a Thanksgiving dinner, 
you know, the people that come and arrive to the dinner, they just eat and then they leave. The people that set up, you know, you're the two days before that, you're getting the food, you're cooking the food, you know, you're you're cleaning the house. You, everyone comes, you know, you're ent- entertaining them. They leave, you're cleaning up. You're just as tired as they are, but you have to stay and scrub the dishes, right? So. I think even though it was a lot that comes with that ability to to be out in the forefront or lead anything, um, the internal award or reward is so powerful um, and impactful, and I've always just I guess yearned for that. So that's kind of where it started, and I think I just have always seen it manifest itself in my parents mm. um, and my other siblings as well. And I've just had that bug since day one. Nice. So tell me about your biggest failure um, thus far in your career. What? How did you overcome it, and you know, what did you learn from it? I think our, you know our, our biggest failure. And I'll point. I'll point to two things. I, you know, because I, I don't really look at them as failure, and I'm sure you know. I'm sure you hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just it's points where you realize you have to learn quickly. Um, and the two things I'll highlight. The first thing is I think, you know, my background coming into this wasn't strictly real estate. So I, I had you know little inklings, of, you know, and a real little passing kind of passing at times where I would uh, get to to learn more about real estate. But I never really I didn't dive fully in it at the time. Um, and so I think that it, it, it's, it was slightly to a detriment of us, right? Because you, you're kind of going forward and you're approaching something from a humanistic element and why we want to help people. But, you, you know, if you don't know the basic knowledge around your space, that could be hard. Um, and it's hard when, you know, I used this example or I guess this metaphor the other day. I was talking about, you know, I was walking up Chestnut Street in Philadelphia and there's a, a place called Boyd's, you know, it's a, um, a um, you know, store. And um, I went to a meeting and I passed it on Chestnut. When I was coming back, I went down Sansom, which is the next block over, and it went behind behind Boyd's. And what was funny was to me on the front side, you had you know the the mannequins, you had the the clothing, you had the appearance of you know this very um, strong decor. On the back side was like signs saying you know um, shipments go here and um, trucks over park over here. And I think a lot of times in our society we don't really focus in on. Um, both sides. We don't realize all the aspects and angles that play into it. You know, I think about reviews and landlords, you think about, you know, someone living in a place, someone renting renting from, you know, a landlord, but you don't think about what a leasing agent does. You don't think about so much what a real estate investor is, who or what who a rehabber is versus a flipper. Um, so all these different terms and names and things that play a vital role in terms of the ecosystem of real estate, we didn't know in the beginning. And I think that that was the detriment of us, but we learned very quickly and once you pinpointed that we kind of just focused on that um, and the second thing is you know funding you know we talk about you know the, how quickly funding can ramp up your ability to do impactful things um, that's been tough for us because without funding you have to really be creative and really squeeze every penny out of the dollar um, and figure out how you're gonna get things accomplished and I think that's something we've been able to do extremely well so in areas I think of maybe weakness we've been able to find that out early and turn it into an area of strength and that's what we continue to do. Mm. So tell me a little bit about some of the habits that have helped you become you know, a better entrepreneur. All right. Some of the habits, uh, I, I think a lot of the habits uh, lend themselves to being out there, talking to your customer, um, talking to your user. We're, we're always in front of renters, you know, we're, we're always speaking at tech events, um, connecting with other people in the tech space, people in the real estate space. The reason being is your connection is really your value. It's your net worth, um, and so or your connections. I'm sorry. So we are always trying to connect with great people who can offer insight on how we can get better as a company. Um, so that's one thing we do. The other thing we do is I think we stay very close together in terms of we're always connected. Like we're always communicating as a team. Um, so constant emails, constant phone calls, weekly meetings, um, you know, weekly check-ins. Like we're we're just always 
on top of each other and we expect the most out of each other. Um, and I think that comes from finding the best people in those positions and then expecting them to bring to the table what they're what they signed up for um, and not overstepping boundaries or micromanaging. So what is you said, you're, you know, something that's really important is connecting with high level people. Right. How do you how do you do that? Mm. Um, I, I do that by letting first of all, letting letting what we've achieved to speak for speak for itself. Um, but then also being confident in, in ourselves enough to, to be, put ourselves in positions where it can happen, right? So that means applying for programs. That means, uh, you know, reaching out and signing up for events, RSVPing. Um, and I think many times you get asked, you know, how do we find out about, you know, X, Y, or Z event in New York City or in Philadelphia or whatever? A lot of times it's, it's honestly just by getting yourself out there, you meet other people and they invite you to other things. And you just, it's like a, a never-ending cycle. So... Um, it's just you have to be confident, speak up about you know what you feel you're doing is, and how it's helping people and how it's uh, providing value. And um, if people connect with it, they'll they'll continue to work with you. You know. Mm. So, what are some of the resources that you use every single day that you can't live without? Your email. Mm. <laughs> like I'm, I'm always in my email. Um, do you find yourself doing more email on the phone or like a mobile device, or do you find yourself doing it on your computer? Like both, uh, both. So 50-50 uh, split. If it, um, I'd say yeah, just about fifty-fifty. I mean, okay. if if my computer's around me, I'm on the computer. But if if I'm if I'm out, which I'm constantly on the move, then I'll be on my phone. Okay. Um, so, you know, email is such a huge tool because it's it's so, it's such a simple way if you can use it effectively, right? Through the right subject lines and the right verbiage and actual email, you know, email body. Um, it's such a powerful tool to connect to people. Um, in a quick fashion and to disseminate information very quickly. So I, I use email constantly. That's definitely something I'd point to. Um, and, I, you know, Business Insider and TechCrunch and all that stuff, like I, I get that stuff funneled into my account every day. So I'm always seeing, you know, kind of what's cutting edge, what's new, New York Times, and just kind of staying abreast as to what's happening in our industry, but also just across the landscape of the entire industry in terms of technology or real estate. So um, those are some things that I do on a daily basis. And then I, I pray a lot as well. I think just because for me it's it's a level of of, of connectivity myself with with, with God and um, it enables me to be a, a little more lucid in terms of how I think about things and and not so stressed about the ninety seven things in your inbox that haven't been addressed yet. So mm. um, that's a good way to keep myself tempered. So tell me about your life as an entrepreneur. When does it begin? Um, when does it end? Uh, I don't know if there's a beginning or anything. It just keeps going, right? Usually. Like, <laughs> let's, let's, stay, let's stay with the usual day. <laughs> right, the usual day. Um, so the usual day, it starts around maybe 7.38 in the morning. Um, if, I, if I can say every usual day, I guess. So yeah, so I guess around that time in the morning. Um, I'll break it down if I'm in Philly versus if I'm in New York because that actually dictates my day a lot. Um, if, if I'm in Philly, normally it's around 10 o'clock. I'm, I'm in the office. So prior to that, I get some exercise in, eat some good food. Um, and then I'll get to the office, and I'm um, usually in the office from 10 to maybe 7 at night, 8 at night. Um, and the reason that is, is during the day, we'll have, you know, we'll have our, our customary meetings. We'll work together at our table as a team. We work out of a co-working space, so, um, which is cool, and it's an open environment. Um, but a lot of that time is spent focusing on the product as well as um, marketing the product. So getting the product out there, prepping for our, the spring campaigns that we'll be running this next year and everything like that. Um, and then by about 7, 8 p.m., you know, we head out, um, you know, at that time, maybe get, grab some dinner and, and then um, start. I usually go home and keep, keep getting back to the email, so it never really stops there. But um, I usually use the time to read um, or, you know, um, or watch you know, maybe some news or something. You know, I find myself watching news more today than ever in my life. Um, 
because I find it more interesting today. I don't know. Um, yeah, you're but then, and wiser, man. Yeah, right? Like, it's crazy how that happens, but it, it happens. So, um, And then when I'm in New York, uh, day starts about the same time. Um, I work out of our home office in New York for now, at least. We'll have an office in the spring um, and going forward. Um, but work out of our home office, crank, uh, crank back up the site, the, see what's going on, and any new inquiries for business, um, emails, that kind of stuff. And then I usually have a lot of meetings in the city, so I'll head down there, whether it's with board advisors, whether it's with future clients, um, partners, that kind of stuff. And then I'm usually, I'll wrap the day by about 8 or 9 o'clock as well. Um, and then usually there's events and stuff going on, and that's where we, we try to get ourselves out there uh, at Sue. Yeah, sure, sure. So do you, do you believe that there's a formula in order to become a successful entrepreneur? And if so, what do you think that process looks like? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a couple of things. So there's a formula in terms of, you, you know, you don't want to reinvent the wheel. There's things that work and work well, right? Um, being a team player works well. It's proven over and over again. Um, you know, studying, you know, being being learned and having, you know, research behind what you're saying, um, that's proven to work over and over again. Um, being open-minded, being positive and, and um, optimistic in your approach, that's proven to have worked and it continues to work. So it's finding, you know, the combination of what the core things you need that you have to have having those, but then also realizing, okay, within that though, what's your own path? What's your what's your twist to it? You know, if you ever watched American Idol back in the day, they would say, I guess the, the last year coming up now, they would say, you know, a singer will come up and sing maybe Aretha Franklin's old song. And they would say to, uh, to the singer, okay, well, you need to make it your style. Like it can't be the way she would sing it, otherwise we'd have her on the show, right? And so when it comes to being an entrepreneur, people gravitate towards real, like what they can connect to, what what they see as being, um, you know, passion and, and, and you and authentic. And so um, the more you can be authentic to yourself in regard to still having those core um, capabilities, I think the more successful you will be. Mm, I agree with that. I, I like that a lot, actually. Um, so the blind entrepreneur is an individual who uh, that, that wants to be an entrepreneur but just may not know how to do it or what the process looks like or, or what it takes in order to become. A successful right. entrepreneur. So, if uh, what are th three pieces of advice that you would give to another uh, millennial entrepreneur that wants to that's on the cusp of becoming one? Right. Um, the first thing I would say is to believe in the mission of what you're doing. Um, that that's so important. I think nowadays, especially you know, it, the market's very saturated, right? So every day there's a new like game video game app where. There's a new like I'll tie your shoelaces for you app. Like there's all these little things that uh could be you know they can be cool, but you know if you don't really it doesn't like grind your gears or make you really think at night. It's probably not something you are you're passionate about. So find something that you really believe in the end mission mm. and, and stick to it. And if you have that core belief, then no matter through all the rigors that come with it, you will attach yourself to to what you're hearing from your customers, your user base, and learn what the positives and negatives are for them in that space. And you will adhere to that, um, and, and that's what gets you through, you know, the ups and downs. The second thing I would say is persistence. So once again, you're gonna get those ups and downs. There, there are gonna be, um, you know, rigors in, in the process, um, but you have to be persistent and know, and know what you're doing, and and, um, and uh, again, believe in what you're doing. And I think the ability to keep working through things, keep iterating, keep, but still be strong in terms of your own mentality, right? Like not to take in a hundred pieces of advice and try to apply them all. To, you know, you hear a hundred, you keep the meat, spit out the bones, right? Maybe there's three pieces of advice out of those hundred that you really attach to and you, you, you know, apply them, you know, but you have to be strong and confident within yourself to do that. Then you also have to be willing to listen. That's, so that's mm -hmm. part of it. 
So um, believing in what you're doing, it's persistence. And I say being a team player. That's the last piece I'll talk about. And I've mentioned that several times today. You know, I can't stress how important that is because you, you would lose your sanity if, you, if it was really all on you. Um, you know, this, this lady I was speaking with on a panel the other day made a comment. I can't recall what she called it. It was like a, a word she had for the hand. But essentially what she was saying, you have your palm, which is needed, but you have each finger that has its important piece as well, right? And you have this singular thing, but you have each individual that adds to the, uh, the power of it. Um, and that's how a team is, right? Like you're part, you're part of the glue, especially as a CEO. You're really that glue, that that that, that thing that brings everyone together. Um, but you need experts in marketing. You need experts in development. You need experts in finance. You need all these different areas, which are your fingers, um, that really bring to the table what they're supposed to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So 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 long you're, that you're able, or the once you have the ability to expect the most out of people and know what makes individuals tick and what will drive the most out of them. Um, you can do some spectacular things because it's not all on one individual. Everyone knows what they're accountable for and they produce it. So the last question, uh, my personal favorite. So imagine you just had the worst day of your life. Right. Um, you're down in the dumps I and mean, you seem like you're a pretty positive individual. So uh, <laughs> seeing you down in the dumps, uh, I'm sure it doesn't <laughs> happen often. Um, but you know, imagine you just had a really bad day and you need to pick me up. What is that one food that will not only make your day better, but put you in higher spirits. Mm, it's got to be my mom's mac and cheese, man. All like right. that, yeah, that is, or or, or my dad's fufu. Uh, it's a Nigerian dish, mostly um, consistent of dough and, uh, and, and different soups. Um, so, I, you know, it's one of the two, I think, because both of them remind me of home. Mm-hmm. So, so long as I can uh, have one of those dishes, uh, they make me feel warm inside, man. I do my little happy dance. Uh, as long as I can do that, it's it's all good. Absolutely. Anything anything special about uh, about the mac and cheese? You know, or is it just made with just, so much love that you just can't resist? But it's just, it's bomb, man. It's so good. <laughs> like you know, it's been passed down. Like my grandmother makes um, you know bomb mac and cheese as well, and so my mom, you know, kind of adapted her own style of making it. And that's been like the staple meal, especially at th- like Thanksgiving. That's like the staple dish. So, but after the first round, it's gone usually, you know. So, um, you have to get it before it, uh, the seconds and thirds. Um, so that's just it's it, it tastes so good. It's so cheesy. It's the the breading on the top is perfect. Um, it's just made with love, as you pointed out. Absolutely. Um, and then my dad's food food, like even the the process of making it is very homely, very Nigerian. Um, a lot of grit to like you know putting the flour and everything together. And the soup is just full of flavor, you know, no matter what type, spices, and, and uh, it just, uh, it's very savory. So uh, either of those, they, they taste amazing, and they, they remind me of family, which is always great. That's awesome, man. Opa, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. Um, lastly, if you could just tell everybody how they can contact you. Absolutely. Um, so they can reach out to me. I'm on Twitter. Uh, it's Ofo, O-F-O, Izugu, E-Z-E-U-G-W-U. Um, same goes for Instagram, and actually, same goes for Facebook. There's just a space between Ofo and Izugu. Um, so feel free to reach out there, and if you you know want to talk further, um, you know, reach out, and I'll shoot you my email, and I'm on LinkedIn too. So that's a place you can find me as well. Absolutely, and all of your links will be in the show notes. So again, Ofo, awesome. thank you so much for your time, and have a good rest of your day. Thank you, I appreciate it, man. Mm-hmm. Take care. All right?